Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Shay Fox. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. What was life like? growing up for you i was you know it was pretty lonely as you know in all honesty it was it was a lonely uh i had a, I had a my childhood was very very harsh i suppose you know my parents were were never around and i was tossed around from different foster cares and um and so family family life was very difficult but um but growing up for me you know i had to cope with that and the way i coped with that was just uh using my internal self-talk and really noticing that as a young, as a young age, as about 12, 13, I was really sitting there, you know, laying in the grass, staring up at the clouds, just talking to myself about how I got to where I was and, you know, trying to pick it apart, how I had something to do with it. That's, it's a pretty crazy thing for someone that age to, to be thinking that when I look back at it. How would you describe uh, internal self-talk? What do you mean by that? So when you sit, when you sit back and you kind of look at, reflect on your life, when you, when you think about the positives of a situation, the negatives of a situation, how you could have done better. And if you are feeling a certain way about a situation, you use positive self-talk just to kind of not pump your own tires up, but just to know that the only reason you're feeling negative and it is internal it's not that the world is negative. There is still good. You're just operating at a frequency where you're not picking up that positivity. How would you describe your relationship with your dad growing up? Oh yeah. It wasn't really a, um, a relationship. It was more of a really, really kind of abusive, you know, he would, he would lock me in my room for days on end and beat me. And yeah, it was, it was really quite an abusive relationship. It ended up with the police taking me away. Like, I mean, he was very strict. He always wanted me to, I guess, perform well, which is maybe where I have some of these inbuilt, um, what would you call them, where I aspire to be more because I'm always probably trying to prove something and I'm, I'm kind of aware of that. But, um, but yeah, it was always, he was always really tough on me. And uh, that was all physical. A lot of physical abuse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And how, what was your relationship like with your mom? Look, my mom, she wanted to get out of that whole relationship being, cause she split with my dad and I was, I was left there, but she wanted to just get out of it. So we didn't have a very close relationship and me growing up, I don't think I was you know, a, a very, how would you say a very easy to get along with kid. I was, you know, getting, the abusive father and stuff. I think my mom was just happy to just kind of have me out of her life at that stage. So my relationship with my mother really wasn't there. Was it really wasn't that that good? You know, she had she'd moved on with a new partner, and you know, I was I had my nana and granddad that were looking after me um, after I was pulled out of foster care. So I didn't really have that mother relationship either. So what uh, period in your life were you in foster care? From, ooh, from about seven till. 
seven till 12 or eight to 12. I can't remember. I was really quite young. So the, um, the dates are a little bit blurry, but, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a little while and I was, and I was quite young. So, and I feel that those were really staple times in your life where you kind of need some good friends around you and you need to develop a few social skills. So that was really, I was thrown in the deep end of that. I was changing schools all the time. I was being introduced to new families. And so it was really uprooting for me, but, um, but yeah, it was, I look back on it and that's like a struggle and that's a something difficult that I had to overcome at a young age. And I feel like not many people have that experience. Yeah. And when you got out of foster care, who, um, who were you living with your dad or some other family member? No, no, it was my Nana and granddad who came and they ended up uh, picking me up and, and taking me out of foster care. So it was, it was always, I had a tense trying to, call my mum from payphone saying, Hey, foster care, what are you doing? You know, when am I going to see you and all this is, you know, a bit of a sad story, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, Nana and granddad picked me up. Yeah. And your, um, so your mom and dad kind of knew where you were, but they just didn't try to get you. Yeah. Well, my dad couldn't have me because the government took me away. So my dad, he didn't want to, he didn't even try to contact me, but my mum, you know, she was, she was happy with her new partner that she was with. And I think, you know, I was quite a, quite an aggressive little kid, not, not as in a bad, like hurt people, but I was quite high energy, you, you could say. So yeah, she was happy just leaving me there. <laughs> okay. And how did that, those experiences affect you? Because we, we are sponges when we are children. So we reflect what has been poured into us so if aggression has Mm. been poured into me that's how i'm going to respond to things because that's my reference that's all i know well i i think i think that's i think that's i would say it's the opposite if there's well for me you know my dad was really quite physical and i couldn't imagine being physical because of that trauma because of being so helpless and feeling that um that uh, vulnerability where you, you just cannot do anything. I'd never want to make someone feel like that. So for me being, yeah, being a sponge, you know, you kind of had to go one or two, one of two ways where you kind of keep it going or you're just very aware of it. And I think that as I grew up and this goes back to my other point about um, reflecting at such a young age is I was aware that I didn't feel that the way my dad was treating me was the right way and how, you should treat someone. And I think, I think that carried over into, into a lot of the things I did. It just made me more, more aware of, of how I was engaging in the world. And, and I would say being a sponge, you know, you do learn a lot when you're young, but for me, it showed me a separation between individuals. We put a lot of weight between our family saying that they're more important than say any other individual, but the people that have shown me the most love and kindness in my life have been the people that are not blood fam- blood relatives. And that showed me the other side of the coin that, you know, it's every, in- every individual is the same. We are all the same. It doesn't matter whether you're blood or not. It's just, you know, you've got to be aware of that. Even your blood family can treat you the worst. You don't have a commitment to be because they're your blood to be with them. So I've got kind of that separation where I, I don't necessarily look at my family as family, even though they are if that makes sense. Well, um, you know, water, steam, and ice are the same thing. They just express mm. differently. 
So when we get something poured into us, maybe we don't express the physical aggression in that form, but we can be aggressive to ourselves. We can, uh, you know, turn on ourselves Mm -hmm. and do various other different things, but definitely it affects us in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I think you've got to learn how to channel it. And I think that's part of integrating. And I think that's someone who's actually done a lot of personal development, learned how to integrate that force because it would be a force. And whether it's a positive or a negative, if you know how to transmute that energy into positive energy and use it as the most valuable piece of motivation, um, you know, you can work out hard at the gym. You know, you can, you know, go and step out of your comfort zone because you're not filled with fear as others would be. Um, I think they're valuable things that help me. Um, and I think they would help a lot of other people if they didn't fall victim to the victimhood and used it as fuel to channel it to something more positive. And when did you become, well, when did you begin trying drugs? Oh, I mean, I probably had a, a lot of unhealed wounds. So to speak, I had a lot of healing still to go when I was about, when I was probably about 18 to 25, uh, there was a bit of dabbling between there. Um, but it really went from when I was about, yeah, about 25 to, to 30, it was, we, we or 28, sorry, we hit it really hard. But I think that was a sense of, I wanted a human connection and that's where I had the nightclub. That's where I was DJing and I was partying and I was going out and I wanted that love. I wanted that connection with people and you know when you're the one that's playing the music you get that love that connection people enjoy it you're you're feeling the emotions the pull from people as you play the songs that they like to sing along so I was really feeling that void and then the drug and alcohol side of things they were just stimulants that just kept me up to so I could do it more do it longer and when you're in that environment so much like I'm quite a sensitive person uh, that I've realized now and that those environments were quite difficult for me on an extended period of time. So I needed something to kind of keep myself going and keep myself maybe even numb, numb the pain a little bit, which was be what the alcohol would do. And so I just, over time, and you, and you get really comfortable with the people around, you don't realize the fakeness that it's a, that it's just, everyone's excited to be out because they're drinking and there's drugs around. It's not, you know, it's not real life. And so that was really, really um, something I had to fall into before I could escape it. What were you trying to numb? What was I trying to numb? Yes. Well, I mean, when you have the, so for me, my business partner, he was, he was, had quite a difficult last few years, the one that I bought the nightclub with. And so we really connected. And when we would do drugs, like we would sit there around a hot plate, just doing cocaine line after line, just talking about our problems. So that kind of understanding someone was on your same level, someone could actually you know, and whether it was the drugs talking, well, I'm pretty sure it was a lot of the drugs talking, but you could open up to this person because for me, I was so shut off and so separated from every, not letting anyone else in because that's kind of a protection mechanism that I had from when I was younger. And so I just delved into those drugs and, and that was looking backwards, what, what I would say numbed it. When did you realize you were like addicted? I mean, there was, there was many points. There was many points where I could have stopped, where I thought, okay, this is a bit much. Okay, this is a bit much. But 
your mates are around you saying, no, oh, let's, you know, come on, what's, you know, don't be a pussy, you know, kind of pushing, spurring you along, getting that peer pressure. But also you knowing that if you just have that little bit more, you're going to feel good again. So that inability to face yourself. And at this, at this point in time, I wasn't even training. I wasn't working out. I had just, I was literally focused on the business and that was it. And it wasn't even the money side of the business. I was just focused on getting, trying to keep the thing going because I was so, so far addicted to, to cocaine at the time. And how did you overcome your addiction to, you know, drugs and alcohol? I had to remove myself from going out completely. Absolutely. From the, almost everyone around me was, was cut off. And this had a little bit to do when the police had a bit of a police intervention. They raided the club. They had, they found drugs on me and they locked me up. And so that was the defining moment where I was like, I got to clean my act up. And that was just literally from that point on, I was sitting in a cell and I just said, this is it. I'm done with everything. And from that day forward, I didn't touch it. Didn't touch any, any form of drug or alcohol. And ever since then, I've just been on this spiral upwards. And it's crazy because I had to go all the way down. There was things that had to get cut away that I was still hanging on to, like different areas of my life. Let's say, you know, my finances weren't in check. I had to put money towards the lawyers. I had to, so all of these stripping away that had to be done before I was at rock bottom. And then once I was at rock bottom, I knew that my habits were in line with who I wanted to be. And so every day I just hammered those habits in, started building my business, working on myself and slowly but surely climbed my way out. How many years ago was that? This was, this has been over 12 to 18 months, I would say. Wow. So you're looking at, yeah, one and a half years, maybe two years ago. Wow. And yeah. you, you said since you've done it, um, things have been going on an upward trajectory for you. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not dragging myself around to like, there's not, I'm not like, Oh, I got to go do this. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, I got to do this. Like you preempt things and you're planning ahead. Whereas when I was drinking and partying and all that, I would kind of just, everything would be second. It'd be all about getting everything right for the night so that you can go and have a big night and then waste the next few days. So you recover. Like, whereas now when you've kicked the drugs, kicked the alcohols, you've got so much more time and focus and energy. Like you can just really focus in and it's like a clarity, everything else that, seemed to be so difficult when you were drinking and doing drugs is now so easy and you're on to like way bigger and better things. So, I mean, that was, that was really, really an impactful thing to, to see. And it just keeps getting better for me. What kind of things you mentioned working and, you know, working on yourself, what kinds of things uh, have you been doing to work on yourself since that time? So I spend maybe 10 to 15 or five to 10 minutes every night writing, just, just articulating out the day. Um, and then I'll always train in the morning, always work out whenever I feel myself getting a bit negative or a bit of, how would you say a bit sluggish. I'll go and do a quick micro workout, which is, you know, hit 50, 150 pushups, whatever it may be just to get my heart rate back up and then come back to my work. And, um, and I'll find that I've got a lot more focus doing that. Um, and I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of reflection. Um, but my food and my training has been a big part of it. And just kicking out and getting my sleep schedule as well. That is a big one. Having your sleep 
and water. These are all the habits that I build every day. But that personal development, it's just so simple. We don't realize how important a sleep is, you know, enough water, you know, not having too much caffeine, writing, just being aware of where you are in the world, looking where you want to be and doing the things every day that are going to help you get there. And how, I guess, how many hours of sleep do you aim to get a night? I'm for seven to eight hours. And I'm at the point now where I wake up before my alarm every single morning. I wake up about 10 minutes before and just kind of lay in bed and then my alarm goes off. So I go to seven, eight hours is good. Seven to eight. Okay. And what does it mean to consciously engage in things that, you know, we fear in order to become stronger and more resilient? Well, so for instance, if you have a fear of public speaking, and that means you need to practice speaking. If you've got that fear, and it's not that the fear gets smaller, it's that you get stronger. It's like, it's consciously engaging in the things that un- say that we're avoiding, that we're shying away from, because that's where our growth is. And that's, if we find that it's got value to us and we're shying away from it, what are we shying away from? So if, if we've already predetermined it, so now we're just living in fear, something we don't even know the result, but we're shying away from it. So, you know, if I'm a little bit tired when I wake up in the morning, I don't shy away from waking up. I always get up out of bed. That was a non-negotiable for me because I was always sleeping in before that. So having these non-negotiables and approaching this fear every single time, like, you know, what, what else could it be for people? You know, if you're scared of social situations or you're scared of going in elevators, you know, you just, maybe you can just look at the elevator for five minutes one day, you know, and that's enough. But every day you just slow incremental steps, engaging the difficult things, even a little bit, just so you can realize, Hey, that monster's not as big as you think it is. And then you get stronger every single day. And this will carry over into everything you do. You know, all of a sudden you'll be a completely new person in 12 months. And what has been one of the most difficult things you had to overcome that the fear that you faced that you just continually just exposed yourself to until you overcame it? Yeah, mine is, mine is public speaking. This is, this is my biggest fear. Like I've got this fear of just judgment that, and, and this is why my Instagram on my Instagram, I talk as much as I can on my Instagram because the speaking confidently I think that's one of a lot of people's biggest fears. And for me, I know it is, it is mine. So, and that's kind of the last frontier. I'm not, I'm not too scared of anything else like this. Of course, there's things that are danger, but I'm not, you know, heights don't bother me, things like that. Like, so it's kind of the last frontier for me is getting my speaking and, and how I engage with people down because that's something that I know for me is, is, is something I shy away from. And, and I consciously engage in that as often as possible. And what is your relationship like now with your parents? Do you have any connection with them? Not my, not my dad, but my mom. Yeah. I still talk to her every now and then she's been, she's been actually really, you know, on the front foot trying to engage with me. I, I'm sure she, I know she feels a little bit of, I guess, sadness maybe because she didn't, he wasn't able to give me what I needed when I was that age. And, and that's fine. I, but I'm happy to, to support that relationship. And, and, you know, we go and have breakfast sometimes, 
you know, we go on, I go and see her every, every now and then, and we, we have a good relationship. Wow. And how long have you been doing coaching? I've been doing it for about six months, but I've been, my, my best mates, I've been, you know, I've been talking with them and helping them, directing them as I, as I go along through life for, you know, 10 years. So, and I didn't even realize it, but for this, it's been about six months on my wow. mindset, training and nutrition. Okay, cool. And you're, you've been helping, you know, your friends. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Noosa. Well, Brisbane and Noosa. And then the Gold Coast was kind of some of the foster cares were, were hammered in around there. But, um, but Noosa, from 15 till now, I've been in Noosa the whole time. And, and I love it here. The place is beautiful. The beaches are great. And I've got a jet ski, so I love to take that out on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And I know you mentioned mindset uh, mastery. What, how, uh, how important is mindset mastery? to you know i know there are several things but how important is that i think understanding just the way you think that there's always different polarizing thoughts that you have and you're leaning more towards one area than you do others and just being aware of that and consciously understanding that if you apply effort towards something things will get better and things will change like People have fixed mindsets or growth mindsets and, you know, a fixed mindset is just going, oh, well, I am who I am and this is the way it's always going to be. Whereas you want to have a growth mindset towards everything. It's like, no, if I apply the knowledge that I learn, things will improve and I can change my circumstances, my situations. And that's how you should be looking at every situation. And it's not always that you have full knowledge. You don't know every kind of aspect and if you're focusing on a negative in a situation it, yeah it might be negative like how do you find the positive in you know your best friend dying i understand that but it's about being aware being really aware that you have a choice to either choose the positive or the negative what kept you going when you know you began your journey to you know get rid of drugs and alcohol and you wanted to do something greater with your life what what kept you going when after day five or six or day 20, when uh, you were just, uh, you know, I had, I had, I follow all, I completely realigned my life. So all my Instagram, I cut all of the pages away that weren't to do with personal development. I started following, um, I started following people like Jordan Peterson, Wes Watson. I started following all these big mindset people, these big deep thinkers about situations. And I understood that, I wasn't made of glass, my body, I'm not made of glass. And that just because I don't feel like doing something doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. So I started just really driving through with sheer force, just straight through the, the not wanting to go and train, not wanting to make the cold calls, not wanting to write those bit of extra information or biographies, you know, like going and actively pursuing it each day and you know, that reflection helps when you can sit back and you can ride and just go, okay, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. You're always looking forward. The thing is when you are down and out, when you're at the darkest point, which I was right there, you get tunnel vision and you can't see a way out. You can't see how anything around you can improve. So what you really need to do when you're in that state is bring it right back to yourself. And you need to, what can you do right now in this minute, in this second 
Like, can you write? Can you get up off your feet? Can you go and get a workout? But you've got to always, for me, I was at a point where I was looking at, you know, I was looking at the garage roof and I was looking at a chain going, all I could do is just finish it now. I could just top myself now. And that was, that was really the darkest point for me. And I made one decision in my head and I said, I'm going to do one workout right now. And I'm going to try and kill myself in this workout, like work out as hard as I possibly can. And if I still want to do it after that, I'll do it because you can go back from a workout. You can't go back if you jump off the edge of a noose. So, you know, and that was my, and I was, I felt great after that workout. And then that's, that's literally the starting point. And I was like, wow, okay, there's something to this because it gave me a little bit of relief from this, just this anchor that was pulling me down. So I would say hit the workouts. That's the one thing that saved me and write, write as much as you can. Yeah, there's so many people who would start the process of change in, in that coal area you run into when you walk out on your own, so to speak. They turn back because it could feel like a lonely place, but I know you've said that uh, there's no one coming to help you. You had that experience. Yeah. Yep. And you've got to remember that when you feel that cold, alone experience that you're shackled to nothing, it's your fear, like, that's it. That is the place. That is where the personal development is. That right there. It's people shy so much away from that because it's foreign and our brains are wired to you know, to, to keep us safe and, and to avoid the things that are, that could potentially dangerous and, and kill us. So, you know, we're not in that, that kind of fearful brain. We don't need that mindset. You know, we don't have predators running around trying to eat us all day. So, yeah. Yeah. What is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Think long, think hard, and read good books. Read really good books because there isn't one thing that you've been through that someone somewhere hasn't already been through and or something very similar. So I would say, yeah, personal development, it, it's never-ending, and I think you've always got room to grow, and that's the best thing about it. It's not where you are now you're only scraping the surface of where you could be and you should definitely do everything you can to bring that to light thank you for listening to the new mind creator podcast with your host maurice the new mind creator this podcast has been sponsored by abundant sports and true serum Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.